Welcome to the Detecting History Podcast Extras. Hi everybody, welcome to this edition of the Midweek's Extras on the Detecting History Podcast. How are you all doing? Well, I hope. I just wanted to remind you of our ongoing Advent Calendar competition. So we have until this Friday, so midnight this Friday, to get your entries in to be in with a chance of winning a prize. If your find of the year shows up on the Advent Calendar, you win a prize. And of course, if you're behind door number 24, you win the main prize and the prestigious Detecting History podcast trophy for 2023 find of the year. Also, you would have seen excitingly the news if you follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook that we are launching a third episode a week. And this is the Detectress on the Detectress. So myself and Carl, the mental detector, along with guests, Miss Detectress, Ellie, Emma from M Loves Stuff and Detectorist, Ross Carpenter are going to be joining us in reviewing every single one of the 20 marvellous episodes of the Detectress series, the hit comedy series written and starred in by Mackenzie Crook of the Detectorist. So that's coming soon. That will premiere on the 1st of December. So lots of exciting stuff coming in December to keep us all entertained throughout the dark days of December. So for this episode, we'll be hearing all about Magnet Fishing Menace's perfect Magnet Fishing Day. So that was Gary. And Gary's main episode aired on October the 8th. If you haven't listened to that episode, it was fascinating. Lovely to hear about a different hobby, a different hobby where we detect history and find history. Gary was an excellent guest. So hear about his perfect day going out magnet fishing. Also, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the item that Gary placed on the ultimate bucket list, a list. And this was to find, as a magnet fishing person or a detectorist, a lock safe or lock box that actually contained some treasures. So some jewellery or coins. So I like to look out and tell you a bit about these items. So I had a look online and I didn't have to go far really to find somebody that had actually found such a thing. So I did some research and I found that Magnetic G, this is a family basically that go out magnet fishing, um, primarily the father and son. You see a lot of doing magnet fishing up in the Grantham area. So George, who was 15 at the time, cast his magnet into the river Witham in Grantham and he managed to lock onto a safe. So they pulled the safe up and you can see all this on their YouTube channel. Go to at Magnetic G. They pulled the safe out, opened up the safe and inside they found wallets and a big bundle of Australian dollars along with other items. There was two and a half thousand Australian dollars in there. And obviously the items from the wallets helped them locate who the owner of the safe would have been. So the owner of the safe was a guy called Robert Everett. And he actually had the safe stolen from him 22 years earlier. Can you imagine that? After 22 years suddenly being contacted to say that your safe and its contents had been found. So it was an amazing story and it was great that they managed to get the money back to Robert, um, who I believe then donated that money to charity, which is a fantastic story, really. So, yeah, it is possible people do find such things. So we will listen now to Gary's perfect magnet fishing date. And then after that, you'll hear me talking about the letter C on the A to Z section. And this week, we'll be talking about the Celts, Copper and King Charles. Gary, Magnet Fishing Menace, thank you very much for joining us today on the Extras episode. So this is where we always talk about our perfect history hunting day. So the gods are with us. You're going magnet fishing. So what time do you set the alarm for? 
Uh, I don't. <laughs> um, I work at a school, so um, uh, I look forward to the weekends. And uh, whenever I get up, is is the answer to that. Um, the river's the river's going nowhere, so nice. I can always kind of rock up when I want to. Um, but I'll, I'll generally I'll probably get there about eleven o'clock maybe on a on a on a lazy day. Nice. Um, and then I'll I'll fish till. Either I get too cold or I get too bored or or sometimes you can fish till you catch stuff that is too heavy to catch anything more. So if you've got to bring it home, there's no point yes. carrying on. Um, so yeah, I'm, that's generally what I do. We do, we do. I do. We have a kind of a um, not, not tradition, but a um, oh, I'm not sure what the word is, but I like. I'm always saying, all right, three more throws, and you do three more throws, and then you, you catch something on the third throw, and then you're like. All right, three more just to just to double check. <laughs> sometimes you can you can get yeah, stuck. it's the same with detecting. Yeah, you can get stuck sometimes. Like, I, 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 me and a friend, we were fishing on on our local river, and we caught. Um, I think we were near right at the end of the day, and I I pulled up three shotgun shells, and I was like, oh, this is this is what well, we'd bearing in mind all day long, we caught barely anything. And so we carried on, then we caught, caught another three. And then we were there for hours because this bag of shotgun shells had spilled out over the, the river floor and we were slowly picking them up one at a time. We ended up with like nearly 100 shotgun shells. But um, yeah, then the river, wow. sometimes the river decides how long you're going to be there for. Yes, I like that. I like that. You just have to go for it. So it's your perfect day. You wake up when you wake up. Do you have breakfast before you go out? Um... No, I'm not. I'm not, not very good for breakfast. I um I normally skip breakfast and then end up getting mm. snacks for for kind of middle of the day. It's just sometimes a nightmare to eat when you you've got kind of grubby hands. Um, so I always kind of take some water and some something to clean up, something to eat and drink properly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite a fifty fifty divide at the moment between those that have the breakfast and those that don't. Um, so you're not alone there and um, yeah we'll get to your snacks in a bit but yeah that's a good thing to consider I always take uh, wear gloves and then I've always got antibacterial um, stuff that I can use on my hands before obviously eating because again you don't want to yeah. be consuming any bugs do you you've got to be careful yeah exactly yeah. the big the, the big problem when you when you find something is you've got to then take your gloves off to take a photograph of it because when you're wearing big rubber gloves, it doesn't make your phone very well. So you always, <laughs> no matter what, you you get grubby. You can't avoid it. You you get absolutely yeah. drenched and stuff. <laughs> you do, you do. What are your dream detecting conditions then? So you've got up, you open those curtains. So you're you're going detecting all magnet fishing. What is your perfect sort of weather condition temperature? The, uh, see, a lot of people like like it's a lot of people like a, a nice hot day. But I actually quite like it when it rains because. When you go mango fishing and it's raining, you get less people come up to you, and you can sometimes get stuck talking to people so much that you can't actually mango fish because you're you're constantly chatting away to them about stuff. So I actually do quite like it, bad weather sometimes. So it's not too windy, and you can't. If it is windy, you don't want the wind um, in your face because when you throw your rope, you just get we call it a river shower. Yeah. <laughs> you just get drenched in in from the river. Yeah. So as long as the winds away from me and a bit of rain I don't mind <laughs> yeah yeah lovely stuff yeah I can I can understand that and you get a bit more peace don't you and then also sometimes it's difficult to do I, I do find as well that you never find anything interesting when people are watching you 
it's it's just it's just a law. <laughs> it's just like, and the minute they go away, you'll find something, and you you want someone to show, and they're not there. Um, but generally, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a preferred terrain yet on your um, detecting? Do you like on the pasture or stubble, ploughed field? Um, ploughed field, I'd say. I've, I I did stubble a couple of weekends ago, and it was hard work because you just yeah. You're just kind of, you know, whacking it all the time. Um, mm. Yeah, something that's just a bit easy, but not not too muddy, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And and when it's freshly cut, the stubble is still so rigid, and it sort of cuts your ankles to bits. And yeah, you're right. You're kind of trying to get it close to the ground, and it really puts some pressure on your elbow. Or in the groups, what's your favourite kind of uh, scenario? Um, normally by myself. My my um, my girlfriend sometimes comes along. Um, I can't get her into magnet fishing, but she does like male detecting. Oh, um, cool. So, and she likes she likes the beach as well, so she doesn't mind if kind of we go there. She sunbathes. Yeah. I think kind of do a bit of magnet fishing. Uh, yeah, bit of male detecting. Um, but yeah, I still can't get into magnet fish though. But uh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And um, what your perfect duration? So you spoke about it earlier. It's when the river oh. wants to let you go, but because it's your dream day, what's sort of perfect duration for you? And you think, right, okay, I'm done enough now. Um, so yeah, my perfect my perfect day would be just the whole day. I like, I can yeah. happily fish all day as long as my my back holds up. <laughs> yeah, that's right, isn't it? That is the dream day. If you can keep going and you haven't got other things you've got to get back home to do, <laughs> all day is <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and so you've had your dream day. What's a happy haul for you? So what are you content with What when you've found a couple of bits? You're like, oh, yeah, I feel like I've achieved today. So if you're fishing all day, like I only need one one item of interest. I like so this is the, I think this is the problem with some newbies. They, like, they, they'll turn up and... If they don't catch a gun on day one, they they they're not interested. But in reality, you're not going to. Uh, you'd be well, you'd be very lucky if you did. Um, yeah. It's, it's sometimes you can you can fish for hours and you can only catch one thing of interest. And it's that it's that one thing that you're looking for, isn't it? It's in similar to to metal detector, really. Like yeah, you're going to find a lot of traps. Like Ninety, I, I presume probably about ninety nine percent of what I find is absolute trash. And even the stuff I do find, sometimes people think it's trash anyway. But the it's only if you can, if only you can kind of um, find the history of it and kind of be happy with it. Like so, I, I sometimes it's not always really old stuff. I'm I love finding old keys and old um, and padlocks, and you you find the things you start collecting which you didn't realize you were collecting, like um, bicycle bells. So I've got a weird collection of bicycle bells now. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, you do get you get you get a lot of bikes, and they're a bit of a pain in the bum, really, to pull out and deal with because they're always in the right state. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, something like that. You're happy, brilliant. And then you've had your dream day. You've found a couple of bike bells and a couple of keys. You get home. What's your home routine? Do you collapse in a heap, or do you get straight to sort of investigating and cleaning up what you found? The first thing I do when I get back is take a bath or a shower. Like, this, you're normally stinky. Um, the river is, yeah, it's just sticky. <laughs> yeah, I've got straight in the bath, clean my clothes. Um, and then, um, if I, I don't, normally I, t I wait till the next day 
uh, to start researching stuff. I'm not always straight on it. Um, I think just because it's been been a long old day, just kind of want to just get get to bed or watch a bit of TV, and you do do it the next day. You find you find spots in the day when it's you you know you're you're in, stuck in the house, but you can still kind of do something. Yeah, that's it. It spreads it along the week then, doesn't it? Rather than just like getting all the fun out of the way on that day, and yeah, then you've got exactly, to wait yeah. for the next time. Yeah. Excellent, perfect. And then finally, but exactly, perhaps yeah. most importantly, what are your preferred snacks? What do you take out? What's your preferred go-to snack on the day? Mm, a Twix. Um, a Twix. Um, oh, good choice. Maybe a tuna sandwich and nice. Pack of McCoys. That'll that'll keep me going for the day. <laughs> McCoys, they're the king of crisps, aren't they? I do like the. The um, beef, beef, steak beef ones. Mm, lovely. And um, what do you do drink wise? <laughs> Are you just a sort of bottle of water or do you take some fizzy pop or what do you like? Oh, no. I, I make poor life decisions. I'm, I'm Diet Coke all the time. <laughs> it's, 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 I totally get to see that. I need to stop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, normally no. a bottle of Diet Coke. <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. I'm a Coke Zero girl myself. So yeah, I'm with you there. Brilliant. Well, Gary, Magnet Fishing Menace, thank you so much for sharing with us your perfect history hunting day. Bye. Detecting history A to Z. Detecting history A to Z. I like this section because it's forcing me to learn more on the history. So at the moment, as you know, if you listen to the main episodes, I'm generally learning about history as I go, as I find things, as I find coins and artifacts, and as I speak to the guests as they tell me about their favourite as they tell me about their favourite historical periods. So this is a nice little extra section and hopefully you're enjoying the little bite-sized bits of information. So today we are on sea and I decided the three topics that I would speak about would be the Celts, Copper and King Charles I. So let's start with the Celts then. I went to the Historic England website here to look up the Celts and they tell me that the Celts were around from 800 BCE to 43 CE, before the Iron Age period. Bronze Age was just before, and then the Roman Cultural Period came after. That obviously started in 43 CE. In the detecting world, of course, we all dream of finding a gold stator. I love the imagery on the gold stator coins, like the different horse rider designs with Athena and Nike. One can dream. Next, I'll talk about copper. Copper being a native metal and a chemical element with the symbol Cu and the atomic number 29. It has very high thermal and electrical conductivity, which is why you have got pipes, wiring, etc. In our world, the detecting history world, a lot of the coins we find are made in some part by copper. Bronze coins, of course, described last week are made of a mixture of copper and tin, plus zinc sometimes, usually about 80% copper value. Later pennies were made again from an alloy of copper, bronze and zinc. However, from September 1992, the RoyalMint.com website tells us that one and two peas are made of copper-plated steel. Finally, I want to talk about King Charles I. Now, I cannot possibly cover the story of Charles I here today, so here are some bullet point facts. But I would highly recommend you seek out the whole story of Charles I and the English Civil War and Oliver Cromwell. I found some good resources on YouTube 
and there's one particular channel called Brief History. Um, I'd highly recommend you sort it out because it does give some really good, quite lengthy documentaries on various different people in history. Born November 1600 into the House of Stuart in Dunfermline Palace in Dunfermline, Scotland, Charles I was the second son of King James VI of Scotland, first of England and Ireland. He became heir apparent in 1612 upon the death of his brother Henry Frederick, who died of typhoid fever at the age of 18. Charles took the throne after his father's death in 1625, ruling until his death in 1649 at the age of 48 by execution, beheaded outside Banqueting House of the Palace of Whitehall. King Charles I of England was executed in 1649 during the English Civil War, a conflict between the royalists who supported the king and the parliamentarians who sought greater political power. Charles I's reign was marked by tension with Parliament over issues such as taxation and the extent of royal authority. His attempts to rule without Parliament, coupled with his religious policies that alienated much of the population, led to a breakdown in trust between the king and his subjects. The conflict escalated into a full-scale civil war, with parliamentarians, led by Oliver Cromwell, eventually defeating the royalists. After the war, Charles I was captured and put on trial for high treason. The trial, unprecedented in English history, resulted in a guilty verdict and Charles I was executed on January 30th, 1649. His execution symbolised a radical shift in the political power as it marked the establishment of the Commonwealth of England, a period of Republican rule led by Cromwell in place of the monarchy. Not everything panned out well for Cromwell and his new Commonwealth, and upon his death in 1658, his son Richard Cromwell took over. However, Richard Cromwell's leadership was short-lived and the Commonwealth eventually clapped. In 1660, the monarchy was then restored under Charles II, the son of the executed King Charles I. There you go, that was the letter C, and we look forward to tackling the letter D next week.